right, here we go. Episode 22 of the Bomber Brothers podcast. And as Sean, as you just mentioned, it's the Jacoby Ellsbury episode if we're going by uniform numbers. So it's quite fitting that this one kind of seems to have a negative connotation to it as the Yankees are staying put for now. There are moves swirling all around the baseball world. The Yankees don't seem to be in the middle of any of them, whether that's because they're lurking for a big splash or just trying to field the most penny-pinching World Series team possible remains to be seen, but Patrick Corbin, once considered the top, almost given target for the Yankees, is off to the Nationals, Paul Goldschmidt to the Cardinals, and now it looks like former Yankee Nathan Eovaldi is, at least talks are intensifying with the Red Sox for him to stay in Boston, so these flurry of moves happening around baseball, but the Yankees are really just being talked about for what they haven't done rather than what they have done. Yeah, it was a a shock yesterday when the Yankees didn't reel in the fish that they had said they were targeting and that everybody thought they were targeting in, um, you know, in um, Patrick Corbin, which was very upsetting, and we're going to get into that. And it looks like that Eovaldi, who was their backup plan, is about to sign with Boston, although they said things were imminent and the terms started to leak and then things have slowed down a bit. So you wonder if maybe that another team jumped in late that was matching Boston's terms or went past it to kind of make that slow down. But who knows? But the Yankees, who... um, we're second in the league in attendance and second in most expensive ticket are what they were what seventh in payroll seventh yep but they have the most money to spend and they got outbid by the nationals what do you make of that can't go over that fifth year it's just that's a deal breaker but in in all seriousness as you pointed out uh just before me yesterday um Corbin, through six years, would be 39 years old, which is exactly how old Jay Happ would be after a three-year deal that he has said he wants. No, 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 no. I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, he'd be 36. Sorry, Corbin will be how old Jay Happ is today. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Today. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, in, in six years, he'd be as old as Happ is now. And, you know, with with the Yankees missing on Corbin and with Eovaldi looking like he's going to stay with the Red Sox. And to be honest, you know, a four-year deal for Eovaldi, I'd be a little skeptical. That's a deal that I'd be a little skeptical of making. That one I'm okay with. But, I mean, with both of them off the table, it's just kind of, you're just kind of resigned to the fact that they're going to bring Hap back. And for as good as he was up until the playoffs last year, he's 36 years old. He is a fastball heavy pitcher 73 percent of his pitches are fastballs and for you know that's that's just not a great recipe for an aging pitcher who's already 36 mlb trade rumors has him at three years 48 million projected i mean that's 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 steep for that's a steep plan b especially when you could have just went all in got a young up-and-coming pitcher i mean so many people on social media are are rejoicing that the Yankees didn't make this move because Corbin was has only been good for a year and a half well he was hurt before that and now that he's now that he's better he's shown that he's one of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball and I I mean you know let's let's just say theoretically that the deal doesn't work out for Washington and Corbin runs into injury problems in in two or three years 
you know, that's that's a risk you take for trying to compete for a championship. And if it weren't to work out, the Yankees of all teams are the kind of organization that can absorb something like that and, and rebound financially and, and bolster their rotation elsewhere. Just because someone has, you know, an injury past, looking at how good Corbin is right now, that's still a risk that I would have taken if I were the Yankees, especially when they've kind of been putting up this front like Corbin was the top target for them this year. Maybe getting Paxton changed that, but Cashman was pretty adamant about adding two starters, and Paxton and um, Corbin would have been the two best starters available. That would have put their rotation immediately among the best in the league. Absolutely, and and I think one of the things, like, you know, I saw the thing the things yesterday on Twitter and, and whatnot, and I know Mike Francesa was laughing at the the deal that Corbin got, but the bottom line is the Yankees are the Yankees. And when they identify somebody as their top target and don't get him, that that's concerning because they have more money than anybody else. So if you have your guy identified, you go and you get your guy and you understand that there's a risk. Like, don't don't prioritize him if, if, if that's not what it is and, and make that public. And this goes back to the, this this problem. And I'm so tired of hearing about the luxury tax. Like, like if you're going to charge friggin' $30 to sit, you know, 600 feet from home plate, go, go out and, and, and spend the money at least and put like a very entertaining product on the field. Like don't, don't penny pinch. Don't try to get by with Shane Robinson or Loisaga or Herman for part of the season. Like put together a championship winning club. Who led? Who had the highest payroll in baseball last year? I'll tell you who had the two highest: the Red Sox and the Dodgers. They were both in the World Series. Exactly. Like, like, and then how comes out? House, excuse me. Levine comes out with his stupid ass comments talking about how <laughs> they're just as good as the Red Sox, and you know we don't need to spend. Like, like, no, no, no. Just go out and spend. You're not as good as the Red Sox. The Red Sox had a better regular season and a better postseason than you. So I don't know where you're getting off saying you're just as good as them. And the whole reason behind the Yankees' downfall in the ALDS against the Red Sox was starting pitching. Severino slipped up, whether it was because he was tipping pitches or got to the bullpen late, all that. Who knows? CC struggled, and and Hap struggled in Game 1. That's The starting rotation was the most glaring need, and Cashman rightfully addressed that and said it was their most glaring need. It was what they wanted to address first. He wanted to grab two pitchers. I mean, even when there was even a report from Jason Stark that while the Yankees were pursuing Corbin, they were also still in the mix for both Eovaldi and Hap, talking about maybe getting all three. And now, now yeah. you lose out on number one, about to lose out on number two A, two B, whatever, wherever you rank Eovaldi. And you know, I, I understand Hap doesn't have that lively of a fastball in terms of velocity in the first place it's around 92 miles an hour but the spin rate is among the highest in the league which makes him more effective but you know that that still gets masked as the years go on and the velocity dips down and I I just don't you know of course this is hypothetical because the Yankees haven't signed Hap yet but it really looks that way if Corbin and Ivaldi are off the table and you know a multi-year deal for Hap is just as risky as a six-year deal for Corbin well, here, yeah, and here's the problem too. If Fivaldi comes off the board um, tonight or early tomorrow, then Hap knows he's got the Yankees between a rock and a hard place, and he's going to get that third year, I think. I mean, yeah, once probably. those two are off the board, and uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you go look at uh, Dallas Keuchel 
There, um, I mean that that to me has an even worse feel than Hap, just yeah. because of how badly he's regressed over the past few years. I mean, look at the Yankees; they couldn't touch him for years, and they have clearly solved him, and so has a lot of the rest of the league. I would I would rather go to Charlie Morton than Dallas Keuchel. I think. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with you there, um, but. I, I mean, they're just going to they're going to have to then like then you're getting into a tier of guys where, you know, you're going to overpay, like at least with with Corbin, you had that potential to uh, have really good value because of what he showed this year. And honestly, um, you said, you know, you made your comment about Evaldi. I wouldn't mind it as much as I would have for a guy like um, like Keuchel or a guy like Morton, because I think Evaldi has that upside um, there that Hap doesn't have. I think if you get Hap, he's a fine number three or four starter. Um, but you're going to have to pay him for more than that. And, and he's not going to be a fine three or four starter um, in two or three years. Yeah. And now you have a report coming out just a half an hour ago. The Yankees want Hap on a two year deal, but he wants at least three. And the Phillies are also showing interest. And there's a team that missed out on Corbin as well. So now you get yourself into a potential bidding war over a starter that would be, you know, fourth in your rotation and against bidding against a team that has said they're going to spend stupid money this offseason who missed out on their primary target target. And I just picture that price going way over what it should be for Hap. And if the Yankees follow this trend and go after the pitching first and then sign Hap to probably more than what they should now you're looking at now you're looking at more excuses as to why they don't chase a guy like Harper or Machado who who by the way after this after they missing out on, they have to get at least one of them i mean and, and it's not just because of the fact that they missed out on Corbin it's the fact that the Nationals signed Corbin for 140 million dollars they were already turned down by Harper on their 300 million dollar deal so even though the Nationals have said they want to bring Harper back that's super unlikely now after making that deal and then you have the Phillies who traded for Gene Segura, so that, again, they've talked about how much money they want to spend, but that also could be a potential um, incentive to look elsewhere other than the infield, so that could open up Machado more. The Card- and Machado would have to agree to play third base if he goes there. Exactly. And then the Cardinals just grabbed um, Paul Goldschmidt, and now there are reports that because of that, they're going to slide Matt Carpenter to third base, and that likely takes them out of the Harper and Machado sweepstakes. So now you have these other teams who are in the running for these two stars out of it, and, and the Yankees just have no excuse. They have to get one of those two. To me, I don't really care who it is. They're both elite talents. They both would take the Yankees to the next level and at least show this organiza- uh, the fans of this organization that they are not afraid to spend against teams like the Red Sox, who just won another world series and it's i don't know i'm i'm nervous i'm a little nervous the yankees push this luxury tax narrative all year they finally get under it they finally reset it and now you keep hearing the steinbrenners and the levines to the podium talking about how they feel like they can that 206 million is plenty to feel the championship team and it just feels like they're setting us up to kind of soften the blow of not going out and spending all this money like we thought they might after resetting the luxury tax. Yeah, um, that's you know, and that's kind of like a problem that the you know the Royals, um, I think you know they're and the you know White Sox of the mid two thousands and the, you know this 
yeah, you can win a World Series uh, being frugal if you make the right moves, but you can't have sustained success that way. It seems like the Rays are always kind of there, but never, never dominant, and their window was very short. Um, the Royals, again, a two-year flash in the pan, and then they were gone. Um, the Yankees are supposed to be built like a dynasty. Look at the teams that continually win. The Dodgers are always at the top in payroll. They've won the division six years in a row. They were in the World Series the last two years. They were in the NLCS the year before that. The, dot, the, the Red Sox are always at the top of the payroll. They're not getting cheap. They're going out and making big moves. They've won the division, what, three years in a row now? Yep. And then in the year before that, or 20, one of the years before that, they won the World Series. So, Yeah, 2013, and they finished mm-hmm. the last they were, two yeah. years in a row, yeah. and then now they're back. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, you know what that was a result of? They spent a bunch of money on guys like Carl Crawford, Adrian Gonzalez. Those signings didn't work out. They dumped those, and then they went all in again, signing guys like Price. And, 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 and I, I feel like that's kind of a good example. Price is a, a pitcher they spent a ton of money on. It didn't really work out, and in, instead of, you know, penny pinching and all that they go out and get jd martinez they don't they, they haven't been you know backing down i mean dave dave dombrowski is um has been great wherever he goes at you know field everything contending. except the bullpen everything except the bullpen and he will always leave your team with a gutted farm system but that's not something the red sox probably care about right now because he there's a, another world series banner hanging there and even though when he leaves they'll probably have zero promising prospects kind of like what happened with the tigers that's a, that's to me a, a small price to pay. And now you have the Yankees who have these great young talents, and they're deliberately keeping their biggest advantage on the shelf, which is their wallets. And that's kind of a slap in in the face to to a to a fan base that has been kind of led along on this leash all year. Of you know we're getting under this luxury tax. We're preparing for what is going to be one of the best and deepest free agent classes in recent memory. And now here it is and. At least for for this Corbin situation, it just kind of seems like the Yankees wasted an opportunity to really put themselves... If the Yankees got Corbin, then I would listen to Levine spew about how he thinks the Yankees are as good as the Red Sox, because now you have that rotation. But, I mean, now the Yankees, they have some problems. Not, Not to mention one of their greatest strengths, the bullpen. You still have David Robertson and Zach Britton out there who are free agents and you lose both of them. And all of a sudden that awesome bullpen is not so formidable anymore. Yeah. um, But there are a lot of arms out there and and that that's always the last, right. That's always the last piece. You always have the starters go first and then the position players will come off or like the big position players. Last off season. Last off season was weird, but I mean, usually, and then there's usually that reliever run in the beginning of January. So I think we're going to see some movement, uh, this week coming up with the winter meetings. Um, but, um, yeah, they, they have to, they have to make their, make their move soon, uh, on somebody. They have to do something to start because what's going to happen is you're going to have guys coming off the board and the Yankees are going to be forced to fit all these pieces into a very awkward situation. And we've talked about that and predicting what the outfield and the infield will look like. The, The Yankees have to handle this very delicately. And the longer they wait, the fewer options they have. Um, one thing that I actually saw online today, and I, that kind of interests me, if the Yankees were to try to trade for Kluber, but to take on Jason Kipnis's salary, it would cost them less. That would be a good thing, because then you could put Kipnis at second, you could have Torres play short, and then go sign Machado if you traded Andahar. 
I would absolutely do it. And if Kipnis continues this decline and he, you know, has no range at second base and his and his um and his bat declines, then just DFA him. Whatever. I mean, it, it was worth it just to grab Kluber. That's that's yeah, exactly. another that's another situation where I think the Yankees totally make up for missing on Corbin. Is if instead of throwing that money at Hap, go trade for Kluber and then and then save that money to go all in on Machado or Harper. I mean, that immediately not only makes up for that, but probably makes them a better team than if they had signed Corbin. I I, I agree, but the the thing that worries me is. Let's say the Yankees make that trade and then the, the water gets a little too deep for, you know, uh, all of a sudden shallow pockets howl. Um, <laughs> oh, I like that. I, I just came up with that right on the spot. Nice movie shallow reference. pockets howl. I got to <laughs> I gotta work on a trademark. Um, but I'm going to start tweeting that all the time. But um, – yeah, and then like, what happens if they're like, oh, you know what? Uh, we're we're and I like Neil Walker. I said I would bring him back as like, a, and, but he's then your opening day third baseman because you know they they the Phillies made an offer to Machado that was you know forty million dollars more than the Yankees. Yeah, that's honestly, I can't believe the Yankees got outbid by forty forty percent. I don't. I honestly don't know if they went in thinking they could get some kind of discount because of where he's from and who he grew up rooting for and trying to lure him in with the Yankee tradition. But if they thought they were going to get some kind of discount of $40 million and an extra well, year went, of guaranteed money. The rumor was that they, that uh, uh, Corbin's camp went back to the Yankees and said, look, we got it six year 140. And they were like, well, we're not going past five 100. So he gave them a shot. And one of the things I saw people on Twitter, blah, blah, blah about him. Oh, I thought you were a big Yankee fan. For forty million, <laughs> like I understand, if you're making 125 million and and you you know you get 130 million dollars to go play for you know the Seattle Mariners or or whatever, you would turn that down and stick with the Yankees. But forty million dollars, it's a forty percent raise. Well, if you sign with Seattle, you'd probably be traded the next day anyway. But um, that's the thing. <laughs> but no, I agree. I don't. Whoever in their right mind thinks that forty million dollars is worth leaving on the table to go to the team that you grew up rooting for. I mean, Patrick Corbin's 29 years old. He's probably thinking of life after baseball already and preparing for that phase of his life, and that's $40 million, and he needs that money. And the fact that the Yankees wouldn't throw that his way after, again, just after showing so many times that he seemed to be at the top of their list and, and I guess to kind of calm things down a little, because I know we're both, rightfully so, I think, a little aggravated at how the Yankees are handling things right now, but they did make a pretty big splash getting James Paxton. That was a huge move, a good move. Yes. And so we can't sit here and say they've been completely inactive, because that still remains one of the biggest uh, moves of the offseason. But still, uh, they need more. I agree, but they went out and they got a salary-controlled guy, right? Team control. They're they're not going out and spending the money on on the big fish, and except if one gets thrown in their lap, and that's all I can hope for is that like when they got spurned by Otani, that they turn around and go and do something big, like last year when they went and got Giancarlo Stanton. Well, they need to go get Machado or Harper, and I will die on that hill that they need one of those guys, and just you know, looking at how other teams are panning out with their deals it just feels like the red sea is parting for the yankees to get one of them and they they have to and get one of those guys 
try to get a trade for Kluber um, or, or Carrasco even, that would still be fine with me. Although, sadly, given the trend that the Yankees have been on right now, I, I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for Hap and Jonathan Scope, and then, and then they uh, <laughs> Jonathan their Scope kills us. and say, we're done. <laughs> Jonathan Scope kills the Yankees, so of course they bring him here and be ass. Well, he's he's usually terrible against everybody else. He, but. he only had an OPS plus of about 45 when he went to the Brewers last year. But again, I mean, he, he was good in the AL East, and he put up good numbers. And that would be a fine, you know, plug for the infield after making major moves. But that's, that's, that's Neil Walker territory. That's something you do closer to spring training after you've made your big moves and, and filled your greatest need. And I don't... Maybe it's just for peace of mind, but I just feel like the Yankees need to make one of these moves in the coming week before the winter meetings. Don't even let it get to that. Yeah, I, I mean, you'd like something to happen because things need to start materializing for the team before. I mean, you're gonna think people are going to start coming off the board, and it's going to be like, oh wow, I didn't think this person was going to sign this early, and then you're gonna, you're going and we've talked about it. You're going to be stuck. You're going to wind up playing. People, you know, they're going to wind up having sub replacement level players either in left field or at um, shortstop or second base. Yeah, I, I could, I could see. Or a lot in, of, in your rotation. Yeah, I, I could see a lot of free agents being a little spooked over what happened last offseason with how late people signed and how yep. few money they got and wanting to to sign fast. I and mean, that's why I thought uh, Corbin did the right thing and trying to get his contract early. That was that was wise on his part. He handled it well. Um, but because he signed with the Nationals, your toast is still better than his brother's toast, who, you know, put the <laughs> hat on. So now that's invalid. So you're back in, in the lead. So now maybe we will see uh, Charlie Morton in a Yankee hat on the Jumbotron in the coming weeks, and they'll hold Pat at a one-year offer. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, he wears his hat, like, really bent, like, you know, we used to do in the, the, like the, Duque? 90, in the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I kind of like him for that look. Although we saw him get rocked in the, the playoff game when we went. Yeah, he. but then he did not get rocked in Game 7. Or most of last season. Yeah, well, the, we'll Yankees, yeah, the Yankees need a starter. And um, I keep going back to this because I keep seeing people on the social media waves talking about how that's way too much to give to a pitcher, that's too much of a risk, that's too long of a contract. And then you think back on the three biggest – free agent pitcher signings the Yankees have done. Yeah, I Mike tweeted Mussina, about this. Mike Mussina, Masahiro Tanaka, CC Sabathia. Great. Actually, I would say Mussina's contract was great. Not, not oh, good. Oh, no, it was great. Yeah. And Tanaka's has been great, actually, up until this point as well. I mean, think of what he's done for them in the postseason alone. Yeah, all those contracts, yeah, they worked, they worked out fine. Um, the Yankees have done a better job at signing big name starting pitcher free agents than they've done developing young controllable starters. Luis Severino aside. Yeah, that that that's fair. Um, but I mean, they haven't really developed anybody up until what three years ago. They hadn't brought anybody up really. I mean, yeah, Brett Gardner. Were... Brett Gardner was the the best position, the best uh, farm system player they had brought up. It was a regular player. Yeah, they were still recovering from the quote-unquote coveted trio of Jabba, Phil Hughes, and Ian Kennedy. I mean, if you think about it, from the core four, they had Cano, Gardner, Robertson, and Batantz. Well, not let's not even jump to the Batantz era because that's still like the 
you know, 2014. Yeah. Is there anybody else that came up that was good that I'm missing? Shelly Duncan. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. And, and see, that's that was when the Yankees were spending a lot of money, but they didn't have that young, controllable pieces that – could have put them over the top, like how the Red Sox have Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts and et cetera. So now the Yankees have that. So this is exactly when you complement that with these big-name free agents and, and big signings like a Manny Machado and a Bryce Harper. 26 years old, both of them. You can't go wrong with either one. Exactly. You go, And here's the thing, too. Let's say they don't get a couple pieces that they need and cash is like, Oh, well, you know, during the deadline, blah, blah, blah. And then they go and they raid their farm system even more. Now all of a sudden you keep robbing from your farm system. So it becomes counterintuitive because you're now you're not spending money and you're getting rid of your prospects. Um, you know, that it's, it's, it's going to be extremely detrimental. Think about all the, all the farm system depth they gave up this year at the deadline because they didn't go out and get a starter in the off season last year. Yeah. They, you know, it's, it's a bad situation. And the same thing, too, with the trade with the White Sox. They had to go out and get another bullpen arm and a third baseman last year. Um, the trade worked out. They went to Game 7 at ALCS. But still, you can't keep just relying on trades because then you wind up like the Mariners and have the worst farm system in baseball, uh, although they're trying to build that back up. Uh, go, go spend the money. I mean, for Christ's sake, you charge so much money to go to the only place. $20 for a milkshake. <laughs> the only place more expensive to go than Yankee Stadium is Wrigley Field, and it's Wrigley Field. Yeah, but obviously Wrigley the Yankees outdraw. Well, they have you know <laughs> sushi and the LaBelle steak sandwiches and ugh, all that good stuff. <laughs> but go out and spend the money. You're the Yankees. Act like it. Uh, and the thing, the thing that bothers me too is like, I mean. Fans buy into it. Oh yeah, they're, they're they're not wasting their money. It's not your money. And that's you know? that's an effort of the front offices all across baseball who are trying to push fans into that thinking of um, restocking the farm system is good, spending less money is good. When really, for a lot of it, it's just a way to make is for teams to try to make their fans a little more tolerable of not being good in the here and now, so they could save money. Yeah, uh, maybe they could go trade for a 41-year-old Randy Johnson or something like that again. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Sign Carl Just, Pavano? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, everybody's like, oh, see, they gave A-Rod all that money. But, but the Yankees didn't lose in the playoffs because of A-Rod. I mean, yeah, he had terrible postseasons in 2005. They six, won a World seven. Series because of A-Rod. But they lost because they were starting guys like Jared Wright, Carl Pavano, Randy Javier, Johnson. Javier Vasquez? <laughs> Javier Vasquez. Kevin um, Brown? Kevin Brown. Paul oh Lieber actually was okay that year. This is like a dark it's, it's rabbit hole we're going down right now. A, a 44-year-old uh, Roger Clemens <laughs> chiming Wong on three days rest when he had never been good in the postseason. It, it, that, that's why you lost. Uh, forget it. Yeah, it's it's sad that then 2004 you're like, oh, good, Paul Lieber's pitching. It's our second <laughs> best chance besides Messina. Oh, man. And Mussina, assigned on a mega contract and was the most reliable Yankee starter through that through his whole time with the Yankees. All he the way up that. till the end. Yeah, yeah. 07, he had that awful season, but kind of got it together at the end. And then in 08, he won 20 games. Yep. I don't know. I don't even know what else to say. I'm just, it's, uh, 
it's definitely frustrating. It, just because it's not something that you're really used to. And and another thing that concerns you is you look even further ahead. If this is how the Yankees are going to be with offers to people out currently outside of the organization, what are these contract negotiations going to be like when it's time to sign Judge and and Sanchez and Didi and all these other guys? Yeah, that's 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 scary because um, I, I mean you know that they're not going to be take. I don't think they'll be taking a discount. So they would be stupid uh, to do it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then it's like that, that's why I'm hoping the the Yankees. You know, they have those controllable years, but you have to kind of do that where you're going to pay extra for the back end of their team controlled years so you can extend them through their age 30 season or something like that and tack on some years at the end, you know, like the angels did with trout. Um, obviously not that size contract. Some, they were talking about what trout would get on the open market today. And somebody tweeted, the Yankees would say six one twenty, take it or leave it. <laughs> oh God, um, it's funny. Cause it's probably true. Yeah. They would sell but, it. Like you're from Millville, come yeah. back home, put on the pinstripes. Yeah, you know, Todd Frazier liked it here. He was from South Jersey too. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that that's it. They, um, they 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 have to spend. That, that's all I got because they have to spend on their. And that's why I didn't want to get Cano because I didn't want to tie up um, dead weight when that time period comes. I'd rather have it where they have a little cushion. Like, okay, Didi, you don't want to stay. Well, we just got Machado, so we can absorb that or. You know, Judge, we're having trouble with your contract. Like no, he doesn't. Don't even say that. I know, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> if they had Harper still in his prime when Judge became a free agent, then you can live with that. But if you have Cano, who can't walk anymore, and you're still paying him, and that's clogging <laughs> up your payroll and putting you over the luxury tax, God forbid, then that you can't live with. So, I was glad they avoided the Cano move. I thought I thought it was a good move for the Mets, honestly. Yeah, um, but that, that I just thought that was a little confusing because. You know, if, if it made that much sense for the Mets, and then you look at the Yankees, where Cano could actually DH in the back end of his career. So I could see that becoming a problem for the Mets more so than the Yankees, at least on the field. I'm not talking about financially, but... Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, on on the field, I, I get what you're saying, but I think financially more, makes more sense for the Mets, especially right now. And they got Diaz in the trade, too. You know, that, that kind Decent. of changed, changed the complexion of, of what we were talking about. It's it's a little scary. You, you see you see the Mets. They make that move. Then they say no more talking about trading Syndergaard. And um, now we then, want Real Muto. Yeah, it's like oh man, I kind of like what the Mets are doing. <laughs> and the Yankees are just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. It's uh oh man, is this what it feels like to be the Mets almost all other times? I I guess. I mean, I I don't know. The, the Yankees will probably try to re-sign Todd Frazier next year, and then they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, we just like the Mets were last last off season. We got the guy that does the thumbs down for the Yankees. It's a good <laughs> off season, guys. Um, speaking of Real Muto, something that I think the mm-hmm. Yankees did right was saying we're sticking with Sanchez. We're not interested in a trade for him, and um, I'm, I'm sure you agree. But I don't know why the Yankees would have done that trade in in the first place. I mean, if you just thinking about the shoulder issue. He's having that surgery. He's addressing it. I'm, I'm sure that could have had to do with his, you know, lack of power in 2018 and his big slump. And remembering that Sanchez was the best offensive catcher in baseball for a year and a half by a healthy margin. Yeah, I uh, when I saw the 
rumors about that. I was like, oh, God, please, no, please, no. And then Cashman, you know, who has been a supporter of Sanchez, although Cashman does that with players, right? He'll, you know, he was all high on Jesus Montero and then he sent in packing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, no, I, I would, it would have been stupid for them to, uh, to do that trade because, you know, the frugal Yankees, they like team control and Sanchez is controlled for two more years than Real Muto. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that. That would have been stupid. I'm a. I think. I think Gary Sanchez is going to have a monster year this year. Uh, I'm calling it right now, on December fifth, that uh, Gary Sanchez is going to be in the top five of the MVP voting. I want to be included. I want to be included in this and say that I will say the same, but for John Carlos Stanton, he will follow a similar trend that A Rod did after he came over in a big trade. He was good, but not his usual incredible self in 2004 regular season. Um, I'm talking about. And then in 2005, he won the MVP. So a full off season, a, a full year under his belt adjusted in New York. I'm expecting big things from Stanton. And then hopefully that can hush the trade Stanton stuff that's going on because trading Stanton is stupid. You should be thinking about signing some of these free agents out there that would make Stanton even more dangerous in that lineup. I disagree with you, but okay. What, you think they should uh, trade well, Stan? You want to put a little bet on this? If, if Sanchez finishes in the top five, I win. If, if Stanton finishes in the top five, well, let's you win. just do whoever finishes uh, closer to first. Well, what if neither of them get MVP vote? <laughs> well, then it's a wash. All right. What do you want to put on it? Uh, Remember, the votes don't come out until after the World Series. Yeah. So we can't like playoff tickets or nothing like that. That's true. Hmm. All right. How about opening day tickets for the next year? Yeah, that's cool. All right. See him raise the pennant. All right, virtual handshake through Skype. All right. All right. I, I think Stanton has too many holes in his swing. Uh, I wasn't impressed watching him, but I think he could still have a big year. But he, not that he did big. not have holes in his swing in 2017. I just think he was someone trying to do a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, that that's fair, too. I haven't watched him as close. Like, I've watched Sanchez rake, and I've watched Sanchez when he's locked in. So, you know, that that's fair. I, I, I only saw Stanton this year up close. So perhaps you know something I don't I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't call myself a, a pre-2018 expert on Stan, but I do remember coming home and just putting on MLB Network and hoping that they would be showing live look-ins at the Marlins games because he was just absolutely playing yeah. out of his mind. And I remember watching that a bunch. But um, anyway, kind of kind of veered off off track there. So, something just popped in my mind, and we can uh, just touch on this before we get to what we're looking forward to this weekend. But um, you know, I, I think about like the core four and the Yankees dynasty of the past and kind of the obligation the front office felt to those teams, which maybe forced them to decline a little bit at the end of their years. And the Yankees kind of fell into a transition phase for any hockey fans out there. That's kind of what you're seeing with the Blackhawks right now. The core of that hockey dynasty is aging out and the Blackhawks just simply aren't good anymore. And then you think about the Yankees now, when pretty soon it's going to come time to lock up some of these players that you hope to be the core of your franchise for years to come and win a bunch of World Series. And is is that something as a fan that you're okay with, is spending that money and, and establishing that core, knowing that the back end of those contracts might not look as good as the you know first few years Excuse me, that you have them for? Because I think that's a situation like Corbin. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you think about when the Yankees did it with the core four, um, they basically 2013, 2014, 15, they made the playoffs, 16, 
and by 16 and 17, 16, it wasn't about the core four contracts anymore. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's really the Yankees survived that fine. It was other stuff that the Yankees did um, that cost them, like in 2012 when they let a bunch of guys go and then everybody got hurt and didn't after get that Scherzer. season. Uh, then in 2013, they paid the price for that. And then in 2014, they, they signed the wrong free agents. Um, then they paid the price for that. It had nothing to do with that. They gave Derek Jeter an extra year at the end. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's I think they should lock their guys up. Um, they develop them. They know them. They know they can handle New York. Um, and and I'm, I'd start with Didi this year. I'd say, look. Let's sign you to a, a, an extra year here because you're going to want to prove that you can still play. And 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 I think Didi's a perfect fit for the Yankees. Even coming off TJ, I would I would give him a contract. I totally agree. And before they do that, they should give someone like Manny Machado or Bryce Harper a contract. I know we've said it a bunch, but that is where the Yankees stand right now. They've missed out on who they called one of their most coveted free agent choices. So now it's time to move on to something even bigger like Machado or Harper, and we'll see if that comes to pass in the coming week before we record again, and we will we'll try to have a guest on them, but we got the winter meetings coming up, so I'm assuming... I, want to get, I wanted to get Sweeney on, because he keeps saying the Yankees are going to get um, Harper, but, you know, Sweeney's not returning our calls. Yeah, I sent him a message. Unfortunately, I did get the icon that he saw the message, but no reply, so... That's, is, that's that's brutal. Yeah, he's recording 30 with Murdy with someone else. So, but That's all right. Sweeney's we'll, a cool guy. Yeah, we love, like. we love Sweeney. Uh, but whether it's Sweeney or someone else, we'll try to have someone next week. But before we get to next week, as we have done um, in the recent weeks, Sean, what is your one non-baseball activity that you are looking forward to in this coming week to continue to guide us through this what has become a frustrating offseason. Well, one, I want to chastise you a little bit because you were making fun of me about the lawn last week, and it felt wonderful to have all these leaves off my lawn and to look out and see it. I mean, I was so happy on Sunday morning looking out and seeing a clean lawn. I had a great day. Watched TV all day. It was wonderful. Um, but this week, got a couple special birthdays coming up I'm excited to celebrate. One, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, is uh, our niece Shania's birthday on Sunday. Very excited about that. I know she's having a skating party. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, going I, to the skating party. I, I think there. I'm only going to the family part because with the dog, Caroline yeah. and I have to take shifts. But I'll see if I can make an appearance and do a couple laps around the rink. Um, I won't check you into the boards like Michael and Toby <laughs> Flenderson. Um, and then, of course, the other one, probably, you know, I love my niece very much. Probably the more famous birthday is Friday, December 7th. It's Tio Martinez's birthday. Um, yeah, celebrate so, accordingly. There's going to be a huge party at my house. I'm just going to keep showing, um, you know, game one of the 98 World Series and game four of the 2001 World Series. I think dad is actually coming over to celebrate it and maybe also <laughs> something with my washing machine. But I don't think that's why he's really coming over. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Um, celebrating two big birthdays. Okay. Um well, speaking of my last <laughs> speaking of my last weekend, like I said, I was looking forward to conference championship weekend, and I will tell you Lift that up I, to the height. Yeah, I watched college football from noon until about ten thirty at night, and it was uh, pretty awesome. It was a nice. Uh, nice lazy Saturday, but anyway, this week it's it's uh it's something kind of minor to some, but to me, I, I can't wait there. 
after delaying it so many times, we finally have confirmation that the new Avengers trailer is coming out Friday morning at 9 o'clock, and I will spend much of my weekend watching that over and over, combing for Easter eggs. So you and, dissect it, like, yeah. frame by frame? Okay. Yep. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. As a big Marvel geek myself, I can't wait to uh, go through that frame by frame and just get excited for that movie, which comes out in May. Okay, well, that, that sounds good. Hey, actually, one thing I want to ask you, I'm not looking forward to this weekend because I have it all wrapped up, but I've already clinched a playoff spot in my fantasy football league. Now, the number one seed does not have the most points. They actually have a weaker team, but they've just gotten lucky with their schedule kind of thing. The number two seed is the best team in the league. The number two seed is projected to have 10 more points the first round of the playoffs should i lose on purpose to fall into the four seed and play the number one seed where i'd have a better chance of beating him that's interesting i think so i mean it's a little dangerous but you gotta play the percentages i I, I, yeah i can't i can't fall out of the playoffs it's it's impossible yeah yeah maybe try to play the percentages there sounds good it's like it's like asking yourself Oh well, Rick Porcello. Let's say let's say Rick Porcello's Cy Young year was the same year as was this year. And it's like asking yourself, oh, if we're looking at wins leaders, do I want to go up against Porcello or Jacob Degrom? Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, thank you for the advice. Yeah. Well, we'll I'll check in. Most helpful. <laughs> I'll check it. Yeah, that's a lot of Home Alone references, and it's just it's a that time minutes. of year. Yeah. That's true. I, well, when you said nine o'clock, I was gonna say we'll come back around nine o'clock. <laughs> I was going to let it ride. All right. So. Well, thanks to everyone for listening and putting up with our mini mini rant. That's about as ranty as I think we'll ever get on here. We, we're more uh, we're more about being level headed and sticking with the stats. And I think my Boone postseason rant was better. That's true. All right. Well, hopefully it's more positive vibes on next week's podcast, and we hope everyone uh, tunes in for that. Hopefully, there's some news to cover, but. Uh, If not, we'll keep chugging through this offseason, and thanks to everybody for listening. Bye-bye.